0: Sal Berry and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and with me is Tim Parrish, AKA The Real NFT on Twitter. That's your handle, right? The Real NFT?
0: Yeah, not for trade.
1: Not for trade. Oh, is that what it stands for?
0: That's what it stands for in my world.
1: So all those digital cards are not for trade is that is that how it works none of them are
0: especially the purple ones
1: yeah <laughs> wait i think we're talking about two different things now i think you're talking about upper deck e-pack base cards and and i'm talking about non-fungible tokens or fungible
0: yeah. fungible fung- fungible fungus i don't know whatever yeah it's uh that's above my pay grade. let's put it that way
1: <laughs> and yet and yet I hear that they're they're losing value.
0: well uh, anybody that's been watching financial news and everything over the last few days of this recording has seen that crypto and and all of that has taken a dive and let's be honest, a lot of the spike was due to you know everybody being cooped up and everything else and looking for something to spend their money on when they can't go out and spend it in the real world. And so that's why this whole NFT craze and everything else, and I'm going to call it a craze until I'm convinced that it's going to stick around. Um, That's how all that kind of came about. So, um, you know, you, you had to expect something like that, that that's more novelty oriented to have its ups and downs. So, You know, it's one of those things where values on a lot of this stuff and whether it's whether we're talking about cards or artwork or whatever, a lot of it's taken a huge dip in value, even since the beginning of the year. I mean, the all time high was basically in February. Um, Biggest the big the biggest one is the is the top shot one. And I mean, if we want to get right into it, you know, there's a there's a class action lawsuit against Dapper Labs right now Um, and they are. Essentially, saying that Dapper Labs is dabbling, Dapper is dabbling in <laughs> securities um, and they're unregulated. So it violates security law. Um, and it's interesting because they didn't name the NBA as part of it, even though the NBA sponsors and is set up as part of the grouping. You know, you figure go after the ones with all the money, right? But they're not named in the lawsuit. But uh they filed this in New York. So it's not even in U.S. court, even though this is a federal thing, violating security law. And they're a Vancouver-based company. So there's a lot of, like, red flags that went up to me. I mean, I'm no attorney or anything, nor am I an expert on, you know, NFT-type stuff. But even I can see there's a bunch of weirdness to this whole thing but you know they basically value they value their company at like 2.6 billion right now because of the whole nft thing with top shot and all that and the marketplace has been open since back in october of last year and they've had like well over 600 million in sales since they opened up so but anyway there's a class action lawsuit that, that essentially says that top shot moments are securities because they constitute investing money in a common enterprise with an expectation for profit on the back end. So, um, you know, if you're buying and selling and trading and doing whatever with these, the expectation is, Oh, I'm going to buy it for X and I'm going to sell it for Y and I'm going to make a profit. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see how this all works out in the end, but You know, it's stuff like that that kind of raises some eyebrows, I guess, when it comes to this kind of thing. You know, you go into the crypto part of it. I mean, that's a whole other world. I've been trying my best for the last month to get anything related to crypto off of my Twitter feed, and I'm unsuccessful at it.
1: (laughs) Well, one thing I'll point out real quick, um, just talking about securities, is uh, even though I have not made a purchase through it. Have you heard of the collectible app where you can buy shares of sports memorabilia, like a like a mantle rookie or something like that? Yeah. So I it's did. It's been sign, around for a while. It's been around for a while, and I signed up for it a while ago because um, I wanted to start. Just I wanted to look into it. I haven't made a purchase on it yet, but when I signed up for it and I did everything, I had to jump through all these like I don't say jump through all these hoops, but there was like. All this information that I had to give, including my social security number, because they're like, well, hey, this is an investment thing. So, you know, if you if you sell and get a dividend, you get your, you know, making a profit. And they basically it was like a stock market type thing where, you know, it was treated like a securities. And I thought, oh, well, this is interesting. And again, like I said, I haven't bought anything yet because they will be like, you know, Tomorrow, Wilt Chamberlain's underwear goes on sale, and you could buy a share of it for $250. And I'm like, why the hell would I want that, right? And then I get the push notification saying, it's on sale in five minutes. It's on sale now. And whatever it is. I mean, I'm being facetious. But, you know, it's been stuff like, um, you know, like uh, more stuff like uniforms and, and some trading cards. I mean, lots of different stuff, stuff that I don't care about so much, like, I'm not really, even with hockey, I'm not like a game used stick guy. So if I see a game used baseball bat, I'm just like, whatever, because it's just it's not my thing. But um, so getting getting back to um, the NFTs and with uh, Dapper Labs. Yeah, I mean, if people are buying these things with the intent to sell them and make a profit, then it, it should be. Well, I don't want to say it should be treated that way because I don't really care, but I could see how the, how the government or whomever who has an interest in this said, you know what, it needs to be treated and regulated this way. Now, I don't want to see baseball cards go that way because I think collectibles fall under a different category. I mean, there are people who collect bottle caps, right? Bottle caps are not made with the purpose to resell. People collect the weirdest things, right? They collect marbles. They collect stamps. I mean, yes, they do issue stamps because people will buy, you know, when when a set of stamps comes out, you know, honoring famous historical figures or depicting Star Wars characters or whatever. Um, people are going to collect those. But um, they're the thing not is, necessarily. If you can find made.
0: yourself an audience, you can sell anything. Yes. I mean, what that's I'm really saying, it.
1: What I'm saying, though, is that yeah, I guess like what I don't want to see happen is collectibles like, oh, well, these are baseball cards and they, they're going to go up in value. So we need to treat these at like we would treat a stock or something. That's that's not what I want to see is what I'm saying. Now, with NFTs, because I don't really <laughs> GAF, <laughs> if we're going to just stick with uh, acronyms, I don't really care what, what happens.
0: Well, the thing is, you and I don't care about that, but see, here's the thing. It, NFT is being used across the board for a lot of different things. It's not just cards. It's not just sports cards. It's not just sports related things. The biggest thing is artwork. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at how traditional art is bought and sold You know, you hang a piece of art on your wall and, you know, you may have some kind of valuable, you know, for lack of a better one of one, one of a kind type piece that an artist created and it's hanging on your wall or you put it in your vault or you, you know, you have it somewhere where it can be looked at and appreciated or whatever. You know, these are digital files that in a normal situation can easily be duplicated over and over and over and over forever. But now you're tokenizing it, as they say. So it creates this digital tracking token or this digital certificate that shows who owns it and keeps track of it. Like you have a a chain of custody where it shows this person owns it and this is where it stands. So that's the whole idea behind the blockchain. And, you know, you can, you can buy and sell within that realm. But the thing is in a normal, normal world, if you're buying and selling artwork, you have to pay capital gains taxes on that because it's an item that you're buying and selling. And I believe capital gains tax on stuff like artwork. And again, I may do taxes, but not those kind of taxes, but I think it's like 25, 27%, something like that. I know it's pretty high. And most of the time you can't just go and sell your artwork, right? You can't just say, Oh, Hey Bill, I got this painting. I want to sell you. You know, a lot of times you got to go through a auction house or something like that because you want to get eyeballs on it, right? You want to get an audience. You want to have people looking at what it is you're selling. So there's going to be a seller's commission uh, and then you're going to have to pay the federal capital gains taxes on it. So by the time it's all said and done, you're probably looking at you're paying another 40% of like right out the door. Well, you buy and sell these NFTs from an artwork standpoint, none of that's regulated. So, I mean, you're not paying taxes on any of it. It's not being monitored. You're not, doing any of the types of things that you normally would if it wasn't a digital thing, right? So, I don't know. I mean, I I don't think this stuff's going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think it's going to disappear just because, you know, there's one lawsuit against one company. Um, you know, if, if you're into this kind of stuff and you like it, more power to you. I, I just, I don't know. Well, what, since we what, are
1: a hockey show, do you want to just talk really quick about the NFT that the New Jersey Devils sold?
0: Yeah, so um, the uh, the New Jersey Devils were, and they're not they're not the first hockey realm to, or the first hockey group or organization or person or whatever to jump into the NFT. I think that was was that Matt Kachuk NFT Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, yeah, Matthew. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think he he had something a while back. I think we talked about it on one of the shows. Yes, we did. Uh, so the New Jersey Devils and um a com- company called uh Faniply, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, who is a basically just an NFT company, and they offer NFT from all sorts of things, sports-related, entertainment, music, that kind of thing. Um, They basically teamed up with the New Jersey Devils, and bids start at $6,000 for their digital collectible, which is a coin. Um, And you can get a physical replica of that particular coin, too, and a pair of season tickets to next year's season as part of buying into that NFT. So if you're a Devils fan and you got to have the latest and greatest, well, there you go. Now, I've looked, I looked through their site, that Fan Apply site, and they've got deals with other, other sports people, including other hockey people. Tyler Sagan's in there, too. He's got a, like a moment type thing where he's got um like a lim- some limited edition various things. I don't know what exactly they are. I guess they're just pictures because that's all this really is. So,
1: pictures on a hard drive.
0: Yeah. So, if you want season tickets but you also want some NFTs for a cool $6,000 plus, you can uh become a Investor in New York, New Jersey Devil NFTs.
1: Now, is six grand uh, a bid, or is that the buy price? That
0: that's the starting bid, apparently.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I, again, I don't know. This is this is not. It's just not. It's not something that's in my wheelhouse at all, really. I mean, it's just not something that I am into or care about or any of that kind of thing. I'm curious about it. I am curious about it. And I'm interested in learning more about it. But at the same time, the more I learn, the less interested I am.
1: Well, so but you know what? If you're, you like, if you're anything like me, you probably saw pogs in the 90s and said, what the hell? right? Like these are stupid and these will fall by the wayside. And sure enough, pogs were stupid. Everybody realized it eventually. They fell by the wayside and, and um, we all moved on. And I think that that's, well, I don't know if that's what's going to happen here, but, uh, you know, our NFT is the pogs of uh, of today.
0: Well, and you're right. Pogs were kind of silly. Um and I was never into the whole pog realm. However, I do have I do have pogs. I have in fact in my Com C shipment that finally came, I have a Bill Guerin pog from the World Pog Federation Canada Games.
1: I got that ninety four
0: ninety-five. Finally nabbed myself one. That's been sitting there for well over a year.
1: That's a pretty You're... comprehensive set, and you know what else is that? It's got a lot of different variations of the slammers. Oh no! Wait a minute now! I'm talking about pogs. Damn you, Tim! Look what you made me do.
0: Hey, we're we're now a uh, a pog pl- pog pod. Wow! Say that five times fast. Pog pod. The puck junk podcast. Weird. So that was that was my attempt at segueing into.
1: Yeah, look, you know, it. we're gonna we're gonna eventually get to Target as advertised, but <clears throat> yeah, let's we can save that for the end. Let's talk about your uh COMC order because uh it it it's it's a story eight years in the making.
0: It's a story a long time in the making that we've discussed on here numerous times and I've gone on my rants and tirades about the issues that they've been facing and everything. And we had the one show where we kind of broke down um their ceo's interview that was done and you know it is what it is, what it is and i'm not the, the only beginning. one and, and it, that's what i that's what i'll do and i know i'm not the only one that's in the same boat there's a lot of people that are facing the same issues with shipping and everything else but uh, to rewind for those of you that aren't familiar um i've been on Comp C for. Many years, uh, since back in, I believe, 2011, 2012, something like that, I've been using the platform. Um, used to see the guys at the shows all the time, talk to them, even talk to their CEO. He's very approachable. Everybody was. It's a great platform. It was really cool um, and used it for a lot, you know, long time. Did some flipping projects on there and all sorts of things. So anyway. Usually, I would cash out my inventory of the things that I wanted to keep, usually once every quarter. So, every three months or so, I had enough in there that I would send a shipment to myself. Usually, 200, 300 cards was usually what was was in there. Um, However, with everything that was going on, I kind of held off and I didn't have it shipped. So, finally, last November, I decided, you know what? There's too much in here. I need to have this sent. So I put everything in, request shipment, hit the button. Boom. Your order should ship in February. Huh. Now keep in mind, this was November 11th. So 2020, November 11th, 2020. Um, so it was supposed to ship in February. Uh, didn't ship. Never got a notification for it um out of the blue i got one that said your order is going to be packed up soon that was about a week after i got it it was supposed to actually arrive i talked to myself when i tried to send emails to customer support and everything else and i say that only because they didn't respond for a very very long time when they finally did respond it was more of an auto response what seemed like just bots that were running their system. Um they hire out customer service by the way, which has been discussed and talked about ad nauseum amongst the community. So if you're not already aware of that, they have a company that handles their customer service. Uh, um, so anyway, um fast forward till what was it, a week ago? Yes. Lo and behold my order shows up exactly six months from the time I ordered it. So, December, January, February, supposed to be supposed to ship February, three months. March, April, May, six months is when I actually re- received it. Wow. Now, I had a large order, it was a little over a thousand cards. Usually, people just ship smaller orders. People that have been done the rush shipping, uh, the expedited shipping, all of those premium shipping services, they seem to be getting their stuff delayed, but they get it. Um, you know, one of the biggest issues that I have found, and, you know, it depends on what side of the fence you're on, but I feel like their focus completely on eBay sales has what did them in uh, when they shifted to focusing on eBay and allowing for your inventory to be shifted over to eBay auctions, which puts, I mean, millions more eyeballs on what it is you're selling. You know, they're bound by a lot of other restrictions, right? Because they're trying to ship with eBay. So if they want to do manage, you know, the managed shipments and all that kind of stuff, they have to abide by their rules. So they have to do all of these things, which pushes their own service to the wayside. And that's the thing, when you neglect the service that you spent all these years creating and making into a, a really cool marketplace, to turn around and say, oh, we're going to put all our focus on somebody else's marketplace that we're just using, that's what always pissed me off. And I kind of felt like that was the the direction that they took, and it just got worse and worse and worse, I felt. And customer service kind of went into the toilet after that. Mm-hmm. So. And, you know, everybody that's that's requested shipments from from back then, you know, if you if you heard that interview that that he did with um, on the sports, was it the sports card show or something like that on uh, YouTube? Mm -hmm. um, And we talked about this before, but, you know, he was basically saying that they were just at that point in time, just getting to orders from August and September. So I thought, well, okay, I got two more months to go until until my number gets called. Wow. So but it did arrive. I had two giant if anybody that follows me on Twitter saw I I posted a picture of two giant boxes. Um thousand I think those are thousand count boxes. I don't mm-hmm. think that they might be eight hundreds. I don't know. But Two two of them were packed. I mean, they were packed. And, yeah, a thousand cards should fit in one box, but they put everything in penny sleeves. So, um, Except there were some things in top loaders that were taped to the outsides of the boxes, which was interesting. But needless to say, it finally arrived. I've had some time to go through and pull out lots of stuff, and I've been able to update some checklists, and I've shared with folks online about you know things that I've had gotten in there and interesting stuff and all the various things that I've pulled from there. But you know, I'm glad it's here. Was it frust- Was it a frustrating process? Yes. I, I voiced my disdain. I even sent to customer service people that did respond. Kind of my feelings about things, and, and they don't they don't care about that because for every one of me, you know, there's a hundred other power users that, you know, pump them up and, and, you know, preach their, you know, their righteousness. So, um, you know, that's, that's not me. When I see an issue, I can, I say something. Um, I did, the communication wasn't over though, because after going through the entire box, I did find that there were at least five cards that were supposed to be in there that were missing, that were on, sorry. So, oh, and there was one that the, so what they do now, and if you haven't ordered from Comp C in a a while, uh, what they now do, they used to give you sheets in your box that were the printouts of everything that was on your order form. Yes. What they do now is uh, using a thermal printer, like a receipt printer, they Mm -hmm. print out individual receipts for every card that you order. And on the backs or on these it has a picture of the card it has the description of the card and it has their log number as well as a scan code which i can only assume is their inventory code as well as maybe location so they know where to pull these things from um but uh yeah so everyone has one and i have one that on my the slip that's in there says what it should be but the card in the Sleeve is not what what it was. Mm. So, in case anybody cares, it was a speckled rainbow. It was supposed to be a speckled rainbow version of a uh, Chris Letang card from Upper Deck. But instead, it was just the silver foil version that was in the, um, in the sleeve. Easy mistake. I could see if you don't turn it right, you don't see the sparklies. Right. But still, it was labeled wrong. That little slip was labeled wrong. So... But I had to email them about all of that, the missing stuff, as well as the mess up on the card. So we'll have see they if they get back to you. Oh, no, of course not. Just, oh, just checking. Not. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, would, that would be silly. Why would you do that? Why would you respond to anything like that? Come on. I expect to have to send two or three more before I actually hear something back from them. But Yeah. You know, you I wish I could say it's... Your... Yeah. And I wish I could say it's getting better. They claim that it's getting better. Any newer ones are falling into the newer shipping functions and anything Mm -hmm. older they're getting caught up on. They say that they're getting orders out from February to March right now. I mean, I just got my November order. So if they're just now shipping February and March, I highly doubt that that's correct, but you know, what do I know? Um, They just post pictures of their warehouse crew having fun in the back on their Facebook page. Join our team. Yeah. You know, they they bought a bigger facility and they've hired more people and yada, yada, yada. Just like every other company has. But I don't know. I mean, I guess I've said all the bad things that I have to say about them. Am I still going to use them? Unfortunately, probably. Because they're a go-between for EPAC if you want to dump EPAC cards, if you want to actually sell them rather than trade them. Right. Um, or you ship them to yourself and you have them. But even then, there's some cross-contamination with the shipping between Upper Deck and Comp C. So really? There's that. So you're never going to get fully away-, away from them. Upper Deck constantly updates when Comp C changes something. Upper Deck notifies their EPAC customers as well. Of the changes that Compsy is making because they're strange bedfellows, because of all that. So,
1: well, funny that you mentioned that because I recently bought some upper deck e-packs and I was thinking about getting the cards shipped to me from upper deck instead of transferring them to, them to COMC and then having them shipped to me that way, which is what I would normally do. But you're saying that that might not make that
0: much of a difference is time well i mean even upper decks upper decks lead times are a while too um Mm -hmm. for for epac so if you um if you actually are looking to ship directly from epac and you place your order i mean it's i mean i don't know it it's a while Right.
1: I, I, I don't expect you to know the the turnaround times. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's 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 frustrating because, uh, like like I said, I started buying. I actually bought a box of Upper Deck Series Two on EPAC, and then I bought a few more packs. And you know, I'm I'm getting together. Um, you know, I'm making some trades. By the way, if anybody wants to trade with me on EPAC, I am puck junk two words on EPAC, and i'm actually trying to make trades um for the first time in like years i mean tim you and i made a couple of trades and like i've made a few other trades really? with some people but i've I fleeced through... all
0: your penguins cards from you. you
1: fleeced me of all my purple penguins yes
0: not to interrupt by the way it's okay i just looked economy shipping like if i shipped my 54 cards that i have in my do not okay. trade count, mm-hmm. september 15th
1: ah <sighs>
0: for and that that would be $18.49 uh, to have it to have it shipped mid-May and have it arrive mid-September.
1: I could send you 54 cards for $3.50 in a padded envelope with tracking.
0: Well, you could pay $103 and they'll ship it out uh, 10 days from now.
1: That's nuts. <laughs> That's robbery. I mean, especially considering that like mm. you paid a lot for the EPAC cards to begin with?
0: I mean, depending on what you're shipping to yourself, uh, EPAC, I don't think has ever been designed to be like, here, I'm going to buy all these cards and everything that's a real card. I'm going to have shipped to myself. Mm -hmm. I've never really treated it like that. I've treated it more like, okay, I'm going to put these in my hold pattern. If they're ones I truly need and I haven't been able to trade for them outside or buy them directly, Mm -hmm. And if I ever get them before I'm able to ship them, they get moved back out.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So, you know, that's how I've treated mine. But, you know, being able to do the trades and all that kind of stuff is cool. And especially if you're going after, like, um, achievements and stuff like that, being able to build the sets and get the achievement cards, that's cool. It's fun. You know, even though the base cards aren't real, they're digital, but still the achievement cards are real. So Mm. if you can, if you can get to that point, but, uh, in fact, I got my token this morning when I logged in that said, you have successfully logged in for 365 consecutive days. So I got my my little badge that says that I'm a eBay or EPAC junkie. So.
1: Yeah, I got that badge. I actually, when they launched EPAC, I logged on to it every day for a year, got my free pack and got that little badge because I remember that badge was going to take me a year to get. So I was like, I I set a little reminder on my phone to log in the every day, get my free pack and then get that little badge, you know, get all the different badges that I could get for like free or no money. And, and it's and, funny
0: because we're opposite on that because we both signed up around the same time. Right. You, you went full bore right in the beginning. And I was like, eh, wishy-washy off and on. And I've been that way ever since until about probably a year, year and a half ago. I started paying more attention to what was going on on there and got way more, way more into what's on there. And see, we all have this whole conversation about NFTs and digital and stuff. But yet, I'm into this. I'm also into Top Skate, too, which, you know, that's not either. But I don't spend money on that one.
1: Skate has play value, though. If you do the fantasy sports, it has play value, and it can be fun. It does. Um, EPAC, it's basically a lottery ticket. And the prize is whatever you think the most valuable card is in that particular set. But why I changed my my view on, on and this is through conversations that Tim and I have had is that you get to a point where you can only buy so much retail, right? Retail has the same odds for young guns, which is good, but low odds for anything else. Like, you know, like, you're less likely to get a portrait or a canvas or whatever. Right. And you have better odds for that when you buy a, um, buy a a hobby pack the thing is is that I wasn't going to spend eight dollars on a hobby pack for a box you know if you took bought a box of series two upper deck you're looking at like not ten dollars a pack but you're looking at quite a bit and it was actually cheaper to buy the e-packs for five dollars now okay I'm not going to get the actual base cards but this is how I'm going to get my um Get my young guns and get the other inserts that I'm chasing.
0: Yeah, that's one good way to get them too. So,
1: hmm. so um, anyway, um, getting getting back to uh, just some some new releases that I just want to touch on real quick. Top's now hockey stickers from week 12 i think the last time we talked about this week 12 had had just sold out or whatever not sold out but it was uh the last one we talked about so week 12 477 packs of tops now hockey stickers week 13 361 packs week 14 355 packs week 15 428 packs weeks six week 16 481 packs Week 17, 456 packs. So even though the pandemic and everything else has turned sports card collecting on its head, hasn't really affected the Tops Now hockey stickers so much, which seem to average between three-something and four-something packs per week. So no real news to report there other than sales are low and uninspired. Um, But like I said...
0: The only thing to report is there's nothing to report.
1: Yeah, when you sell a set of stickers that you don't even issue a book to put them in, it's like, what's the point?
0: Well, we all we all know yeah. what Tops' focus is, and it's definitely not on on that hockey's not their cup of tea. I mean, Tops is in the NFT business now. Tops yes. is making the on-demand printings tops is doing you know their montgomery club stuff tops does you know with project 70 going on now which is a continuation basically of project 2020 um you know they have all these things and they're dabbled in in all of this stuff i'm surprised the i'm surprised the hockey sticker thing has even continued to be honest with you
1: I feel like they were obligated to continue it. Well, that's like,
0: exactly it. Like they had they had so, so many of whatever they had to print and so much obligation left on whatever contract they had. That's what it feels like. It's like they're going through the motions just to get it over with.
1: So it's like they have a term for this in the video game and software industry. They call it shovelware, where it's I guess it's like you're shoveling manure, you know? So shovelware is like when you're obligated to... You know they say to you know I, I'm I'm thinking back to like the 1990s when like every movie practically had a video game. I mean they do that now, but like when you look at like you know oh Jurassic Park two video game and it's gonna suck because I don't know if it actually sucked, but like or like Congo if you remember that. Movie had like a video game, like every crappy movie in the 90s. Congo, like, like
0: the Michael Crichton book, yeah. Oh, I you don't, don't remember
1: re- the movie uh, and the Taco Bell tie in
0: vaguely, I think. Yeah, I remember well, the Andromeda strain more than that. There was like, like every Michael Crichton book got made into a movie, like all within like a two year period.
1: Well, it was because it of like. Jurassic Park,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And so everybody wanted some of that sweet, sweet dinosaur money. Right. So they said, hey, okay, Congo's about killer gorillas?
0: Is that and what it was about? Killer gorillas?
1: I don't know if they were killer. Maybe they were mutant gorillas.
0: Like, God, like uh, King Kong?
1: No, nah, not that cool. Oh. But I, I guess what I'm saying, though, is that like shovelware was just basically when, like, a company is obligated to cl- complete a video game, and so they just crap something out really quick and just get it out on the market to like fulfill uh, an obligation. And you know, like Best Buy isn't play testing the video game. They're just buying it. Right. Cause they need to put, they need to have something for their shelves. And then people are going to buy it for their grandkids. Cause they'll go, Oh, this game looks fun. It has killer gorillas. Right. And then it sucks. And then it ruins your 11th birthday because you got the worst video game, you know, on the market at the time. But like, i feel like with tops and their hockey stickers not the sticker album i thought the sticker album was pretty good and i wouldn't mind actually making that the focus of a show i feel like when they went to the nhl and they said hey we know panini has the sticker license we really want the sticker license and here's what we'll do for you we'll do these sticker albums and then we'll also do these weekly print-on-demand stickers and they'll be great and they'll make everybody lots of money and they probably said yeah okay you're gonna do that for us because you do your print-on-demand baseball cards. Okay, you can't do hockey cards. I wish they could do hockey cards. Tim, I gotta tell you something, man. And and I know that Upper Deck does this with game-dated moments, but if Tops did hockey card print-on-demands, dude, I'd be so broke. I'd be buying those every week. I mean, I just I I don't know. But like with game-dated moments, well, how many
0: moments- times have I said or shown the different skate inserts, and I'm like. Why aren't these real? Like yes. how can this not be real? I mean, they come out with pretty much all the sets that you would you would want to see from them as a hockey release. I mean, like right now, tops tribute. Lots of people don't like tops tribute in baseball. But there's never been a tops tribute in hockey. And the, the tribute cards are cool looking. You know, they, they do Allen and Ginter in hockey. Can you imagine? I mean, Upper Deck. Doesn't I don't feel like Upper Deck has done one of those like champs-type sets in a while. I mean, yeah, they have good ones every year, but that's an all-sport one. It's not just hockey. So, you know, I I, I show those things a lot. Like, I'll post them on my Twitter page. I'll be like, don't you wish these were real? Because they're cool. They're really cool. But, yeah. no, they're just digital pictures on a screen. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, they're... Um. It's too bad. Um, So anyways, the Tops No Hockey stickers, nothing to report there. Um, Not too long ago, President's Choice Trading Cards released a new set called Roots, which was about players from the original six Era and backwards. So there are, you know, George Vezina cards. There's um, Bill Barilko cards. There's, you know, a lot of – let's take a quick look at who they got – just taking a quick look. Bill Gadsby, Bill Mosienko. I'm kind of going in alphabetical order here. Let me skip around. Eddie Shore, Elmer Latch, Frank Patrick, George Vezina, Glenn Hall, Gordy Howe. You get the idea. And the cards range anywhere from about 150 to 300 each. And uh, they're numbered to three copies. Some are numbered to two copies. Some are one of ones. And uh, they have a piece of game-worn memorabilia. Sometimes it's a glove, sometimes it's a stick, sometimes it's a uh, jersey. Um, So those came out recently. Those look pretty nice. Um, And then another thing that just came out was um, uh, 2021 Upper Deck Trilogy came out. Uh, 2021 SPX is coming out next week. And then, of course, there's always game-dated moments. Um, And I know that there's a non-sports, or excuse me, not a non-sports, a multi-sport game-dated moment set. Tim, you've been monitoring the game-dated moment set, and you've noticed that the cards of rookie players tend to sell out very quickly, and the cards of other players don't sell out very quickly.
0: Unless you're, like, one of the top-tier superstars or rookie, they'll sit for a little while. Now, a little while is relative because these things hit on a Friday at 9 in the morning Pacific time, so 11 o'clock where I am. Mm -hmm. And generally by 11.30, there's nothing left. Um, This past week, by 11.15, there was basically nothing left because the whole site glitched out and you couldn't even get to the shop. And when the shop did come back up, the only one that was left was of the one veteran player. Um, Kopitar. Yeah, the Kopitar uh, card was the only one that was um, left sitting there. (laughs) So, Which... It's funny because, you know, the new game-dated moments that are supposed to be all sports, I thought for sure the first card was going to sell out, like, pretty much instantaneously. But here we are a few days in, and it's still available. And um, that is Trevor Lawrence? Oh, Trevor Lawrence, of course, because that's what everybody's putting as their first card of anything.
1: Well, so. and like I said to you earlier... um Maybe I don't know, say people are burnt out on Trevor Lawrence, but they have lots of options. I mean when that f- pro set football card came out, everybody bought that card because it was the first pro set card to be you know to to be released since 1992 and it was of a who then was perceived was going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Um, so it had a lot going for it. And I think now, like, people who are casual, they're like, well, I already got a Trevor Lawrence card. Do I really need the upper deck one? I mean, if you're going to collect this player, then, yeah, you're going to want that one. But then you have options. You have that top set that came out uh, dedicated to Trevor Lawrence. So this guy hasn't even taken an NFL snap, and he's he's already got more cards than you and me combined. Yeah. Which is zero, because neither of us – your wife has got us both beat because she has a card.
0: She does have a card.
1: She has a card. You have
0: ba- you have the backs of cards, so uh, you're halfway there. Yeah. gotta make your way up. No,
1: dude, the backside of the card is like the bottom side of the bagel, right? Nobody cares, right? Yeah, you, you split the bagel, right? And everybody likes the the top half that has the, you know, the cheese and the jalapenos. I love cheese and jalapeno bagels, or like the sesame seeds and the poppy seeds. And the, the ass end of the bagel, the bottom side, that's the back of the card. I mean, nobody reads the backs anymore. We can't even read the stats. They're too damn small. When I mean, they even bother to put, you know, more than one line or five lines of stats. But I digress.
0: Well, going back to the game day moments, moment selling yes. out fairly quickly. If you're looking to get those, you got to be quick on the draw. I mean, you got to be right in there when they're released and be committed to to going after what's available because, you know, this past, um, these past releases, you know, they had Cole Caulfield's overtime winner against the senators mm-hmm. that was gone. Like, boom, gone quick. They had Mark Andre Fleury, uh, moving into third place on the all time win list. That was gone. They had a Connor McDavid one to a hundred points gone. The Ryan Miller one sat for a little while. And this past week the Anj Tarwan one um scoring a thousand points sat for a while. But they go fairly quickly. So if you're into collecting those and stuff, I, I feel bad, especially if you go and, and try to buy them brand new. Now, if you if you back collect them uh and dig into the com C marketplace, oh you'll find all sorts of them from the last few years. At various prices. Any of the new ones, though, forget it. Because everybody wants a mint for these things. Especially the gold variants. Forget about it.
1: Yeah, I still need to get a Patrick Kane, I think, from last season. Or maybe it was this season. I can't... No, I think... Well, one, one of the seasons, there's like a Patrick Kane that I missed out on. I was like, oh, man, but... Yeah, I'll have to
0: look into that. Well, and Um, the other thing, too, not to beat a dead horse here, but EPAC has been, for hockey collectors at least, EPAC has been uh, an alternative to, instead of finding product retail, you brought it up about, um, you know, the difference between buying boxes retail versus buying packs on EPAC. I mean, it's been something, if you can't go to a retail store and find that, find hockey cards, well, there's options available. Usually this stuff sits on there for quite a long time, and you can pick up various packs from various years, depending on what the things are. But I can tell you over the last eight months, stuff's been selling out. Now, how do you, how do you fathom that a digital product can sell out? Well, it's because there's actual product in the digital product. So if you have serial numbered things and have it set aside instead of being packed out because you know it's going to be in the EPAC product, Well, when the serial numbers run out, you're out, right? Mm -hmm. You can no longer have it in, you know, have it out there. So when all this stuff becomes scarce, I guess, from a numbering standpoint, that's when the packs sell out. So you can't buy Series 1 from this year anymore on EPAC. Only Series 2 is available. Uh, I think Parkhurst and Synergy are also available from this year. Yes. But like Series 2 from last year, that was gone. There's only series one. Um, you know, there's various other releases. Parkhurst is on there pretty much forever, um, just because most people don't buy it, and it's next to impossible to get the achievements on Parkhurst. But I digress. You can even go back as far as sixteen seventeen. Pick up some compendium for ninety nine cents a pack, if you're if you're so inclined. Still, and that's all finished. because you can't find stuff in retail.
1: Still haven't finished my 1617 compendium set, by the way.
0: But, uh, we'll get there. there's only what 3,000 cards in the checklist,
1: 900 cards, and I think I need about 30. So I'm I'm getting close,
0: Maybe it's pretty can get good. Some trades,
1: I, I think I'm gonna do that actually. Um, now that I'm back on EPAC, I'm puck junk, two words on EPAC. Uh, look me up, make some trades because, uh, as I was saying earlier, um, you know, I've made maybe about ten trades in the last week or so, but then all my prior trades were from like 2017. So I was just like, "Whoa, it's been a while."
0: Well, hopefully, um, you don't need Series three because only one and two are available to buy if you're going to spend a couple bucks on packs.
1: I, I probably need a few from C- Series three, but um, but regardless, I'm not trying. I'm actually trying to put together the blue set, not the the, the physical cards of Compendium. Not the, uh, not the digital cards, but the gotcha. the actual physical cards, which I've had shipped to me in the past. Over time, I've actually been trying to build that set since twenty sixteen seventeen, a little at a time. Usually taking advantage of COMC Black Friday sales, spring cleaning sales, and so forth, and picking up a lot of the cards for twenty seven to thirty two cents apiece. Gotcha. And then only maybe overpaying for like I don't say overpaying because I want to say I probably spent like. $4 on like an Austin Matthews and it was worth it's it sells for more than that now. So I mean, on some of the cards I just, you know, I paid, you know, like full, you know, $5 or $6 or $8 and then other ones I've spent, you know, 27 cents. So sure. In the end it all kind of evens out a little bit. But look, you know, the the thing that we've been promising everybody we're going to talk about was uh was Target. Target no longer selling sports cards, and Pokemon cards. So let me just read a quick synopsis of what happened on Friday, May 7th. A man was attacked by four men in a Target parking lot in Brookfield, Wisconsin, a suburb of Milwaukee. The man drew a gun to protect himself and the four men were arrested. Uh, Target will temporarily stop sports, uh, stop selling sports cards and Pokemon gaming cards at stores for now. So... I remember hearing about that and just saying, "Whoa, like okay, it's 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 gotten to that point." Like, you know, over the past year, we've seen, we've heard, we've talked about people buying up packs and boxes of cards at retail, flipping them for a quick profit because now everybody, not everybody, but a lot more people are collecting sports cards. So somebody can buy a box of cards for $10 and try to sell it for $20 or a pack of, uh, I mean, I was making fun of, I saw somebody selling packs of like Panini Prism basketball cards and it was like a 10 pack lot and they wanted like $260 and I saw this on the mobile app offer up. And I like screen capped it and I like tweeted it out. I'm like, wow, this dude's crazy. And then like two days later, that was like sold. And I'm like, wait, somebody was actually willing to pay $26 times 10 for 10 packs of cards that normally sell for $10. And that's when I knew something was up. When I saw packs that I knew were $10, because I remember walking into Target and seeing like, prism basketball and football you'd walk in you'd see everything and you'd grab a maybe you'd talk yourself into buying a blaster or two of hockey or a couple of fat packs or whatever um and that's kind of how it always was with me and retail packs was like i know i shouldn't do this i call them the empty calories of card collecting because it's like that quick rush like you open packs But then, in the end, you know you're not going to really get a great card in a blaster box of Upper Deck Series Two Hockey. I mean, you might get a a a Kirill Kaprizov Young Gun and be like, "Yay, I got the most expensive card in the set!" But I mean, you're you're not going to get a Crosby autograph. So, um, anyways, so this has just kind of been this has just been kind of a trend where it's it's gotten to the it went from like people buying packs and selling them at a profit. To people stalking and harassing,
0: yeah, the vendors.
1: Yeah, and then here we are, and now it's gotten to the point where, like, you know, some guys decided to go after a guy in a parking lot about it, and then Target said, "Okay, you know what? We're we're not interested anymore." Tim, I, I know you got a lot to say on this
0: topic. Do do we want to call that moment the straw that broke broke the camel's back? I mean, because I think this has been this has been in the works for a while now. Because you got to look at it this way, you know, I don't know how many of our listeners out there work retail or have worked retail before, uh, especially at a big box retailer, like a target or a Walmart or, or somebody of that nature. But I can tell you, even though it's been years since I've done that, it's not that different now than it was back then. And, you know, Trading cards have always been one of those items that has been vendor-driven. They're delivered by vendors. They're stocked by vendors. The shelves are cleaned up by vendors. Price changes may be done by the staff that's there, but ultimately the signage and everything, it's the responsibility of the vendor in order to take care of it. That's the way most big box retailers work and always have worked on non-inventory product, which is what one of those things are. Yeah, and you know, a lot of companies have those types of things because it's a deal that they work out with the distribution companies uh, in order to sell shelf space. And really all it is is one of the companies comes along and, you know, whoever that may be, they rent shelf space on a national level that says that they can be in X number of stores across the country in various markets and they will get four foot, eight foot, 12 foot, however much they're renting. And part of the deal is that they bring the stock, they stock the shelves, they face it, they do all of that kind of thing. Well, this is profitable in some ways for the retailer because it cuts overhead on that particular product or that particular space knowing that there's going to be a vendor in there that's going to handle most of it, you don't have to devote the time and effort with employees, right? You can, you can move them elsewhere. You don't have to front-face the shelf. You don't have to clean it up. You don't have to restock it. You don't have to do any of that kind of thing. So that's good. The problem is with the fever pitch that cards have taken, it's now become an issue for the people that work there because the vendors aren't always there to do what they need to do all the time. They're there when they have to deliver the product. They're there when they have to restock. They're not there every day during the week to monitor what goes on, to pay attention what they're out of stock on, and to monitor what people are buying and when they're buying it, and reordering and all of that kind of thing. They're just not. They're not doing that. They have territories to cover. They have places to go. They have the other things to take care of well now you've put extra work on the employees extra work on the management they have to figure out okay well now we have to go and do this and now we have this whole entire section here that's been wiped out by three people that came here and bought everything that we had on the shelf now we've got 16 feet 8 feet 12 feet whatever it is of empty shelf space that we can't put anything on because it's owned or rented as part of a contract by a vendor, they don't like that.
1: What's but if that? it's selling, hold on. If it's selling, though, look. Target makes money on cards that sell in their store, right? They they got to get not a cut as in much
0: it. as you would think.
1: Not as much as you would
0: think. Not as much as you would think, but yes, they do make money on it.
1: So if somebody comes in, if if there's ten thousand dollars of of trading cards on the shelf, and somebody comes in and buys all of it, or three people buys all of it. That's still making me making the store money.
0: It is to a point because you have cost of product that's been factored out of that because they're not buying the product to bring in to resell. The product's being supplied to them by a vendor and they're sharing in the profits of the sale.
1: So it's like a consignment sale, basically.
0: Right, but in those cases, you want to make the most profit and eliminate all the overhead, and that's the whole idea behind it. But now you have to figure out what I'm going to do with all this empty space on my shelves that looks horrible and people stare at and they're like, what the heck's supposed to be here? And it's an image thing in addition to wasted space. And as anybody that worked retail knows, your store manager, your district manager, your regional manager, they all freak out when you have empty shelves because it's horrible. Yes. Does it mean that product is selling? Maybe. It also means that it's an eyesore and you don't want that because customers come in and they look at your shelves and see that they're completely empty. And they're like, what the hell's going on here? And they start to to wonder all sorts of things. But that's like the whole psychological thing. What I'm more getting at is now you have all this empty space and all this demand and I show up there to buy cards, and you show up there to buy cards, and everybody and their brother shows up to buy cards. Now, all of a sudden, you have this influx of all these people wanting all the same stuff, and you don't have the inventory to cover it. So what do you do? Well, you make limitations. Well, how do you do that? How do you stop people? Well, you have to have somebody standing there and telling people what they can and can't buy. Well, that's more people that aren't doing other jobs out on the sales floor and now have to monitor this product that is vendor driven now wait a, a minute DNR our product
1: so target though they'll just limit you at the cash register so let me give a couple of uh, quick for instances here uh maybe about a month ago my sister texts me she sends me a picture of three blaster boxes of upper deck series two hockey she says do you want these when i write back i'm like yeah do they have any more she's like nope just these three boxes i'm like okay please buy me these three boxes she buys me three boxes of retail um, of retail blasters uh, about two weeks later her husband uh, found uh, mega boxes that had like 12 packs and these were selling for 40 dollars a box and he's like do you want any I'm like yeah how many they got well they got three yeah I'll take all three right thinking three was the limit well he goes to buy all three of them they only let him buy one so he bought one and i'm like oh, that's fine one's better than none right and i mean he was by himself so um he like if my sister was there she would have bought one as well so i mean target went from you could buy 3 to you could buy one or maybe you can only buy one cuz that's a bigger box i don't know but they were making they were making cutbacks i bought tins of upper deck series 2 on target.com They limited you to three. I tried to order six. You can only add three to your card at a time. I added three. I went back, I added another three. I tried to and it said, you're at your limit for this product. I said, all right, I could buy three tins. I made a separate purchase for just another three tins. And then I figured, all right, that's good. How much retail do I really want? I mean, yes, I want to build base sets, but you know, I don't want to buy, I don't want to build 10 base sets. Maybe at this point, I'll start throwing my money on EPAC, you know, scratch those lottery tickets because, you know, you get to a point where you just need like the young guns, the portraits, and maybe what other um, you know, the OPG inserts I collect those and then the other ones I trade. So maybe I can get something for them. You know, and then there's always the the odds of getting an autograph or a nice jersey card or whatever. Um, so I mean Target was imposing limits, and those limits could be at the cash register. It's not like they need to have Somebody standing there telling you, "No, you can't buy more than one." The other thing I will say, though, is being somebody who has been religiously checking the card aisle every time I've gone to Target since last, oh, I don't know, June, July. Um, I remember asking like the uh, one of the employees. I said, "Hey, are you guys going to get more trading cards?" And he very politely explained to me, he's like, oh, that's, that's handled by a distributor, and he usually comes on Thursdays. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, thank you very much. And, you know, I wasn't going to, like, stalk the distributor. I just said, all right, maybe Thursdays will be the day I, I drop in. Um, but <laughs> as time goes on, I would ask people, oh, where are your sports trading cards? And I could see the employee roll their eyes and be like, oh, you'll have to go to electronics. They're in electronics or, you know, they'd kind of like shrug and they'd be like, yeah, we don't have any cards this week or whatever. Like, so I could tell that I wasn't the only one asking them that question. Um, in fact, like one time I go to electronics, they don't have them there. I ask the person electronics, they're like, oh no, they're in toys. I go to toys and they, they didn't have any, I mean, they had empty shelves where they were supposed to be sports cards. Um, and the only other thing I will talk about as far as talking with employees was like soon after Target decided to pull the cards. So this is about a week after um the the incident, um, I talked to somebody in customer service. I actually had to make a return, return um some clothes that I bought at Target. And um I said, I promise you I'm not one of those crazy card guys. Well, okay, maybe that was not a great promise, but you know, close enough. I'm not the type to. I I, I guess I am one of those crazy card guys, but a different kind of, you know, the kind that blogs about cards, not the kind that like stalks like distributors and and, and tries to memorize like which Walmart he's going to go to next or whatever. But I just. As Tops
0: would say, final product subject to change.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But what I did is I just said all the articles and all the news stories are saying football, basketball, baseball and Pokemon cards. You haven't said anything about hockey and I, and I collect hockey. And the the guy in the customer service he just you know he smiled and he said, no, actually we' we're, we're doing away with all sports cards. He says even NASCAR, even Ultimate Fighting Championship, he said the only thing we're keeping in store are magic cards. He said, those are the only things we're going to be selling. And at that particular target, he told me that those were going to be uh, locked up or behind um, customer service. So you had to, like, ask for them.
0: They're keeping magic because nerds don't own guns. So that's why. Magic
1: missile. Uh,
0: (laughs) I hear what you're saying, but I guess the point that I was trying to make is, and to just cut to the chase, this is costing Target and other retailers way more money than they have invested in it Because they're having to put the manpower and the resources to monitoring and watching all of this stuff right. They move everything to the customer service desk now They have to have somebody at the customer service desk at all times Trying to cater to all of the people that are keep coming in asking for cards. Do You have cards. Can I buy cards? Where are your cards blah blah blah. So now it's it's like this constant thing that when they went to, okay, we're only gonna sell cards Friday at nine a m. Okay, well, now there's a line out the door of seven hundred people waiting to buy these cards at nine am. and you have to have all this extra you know people, all this extra staff, extra security, have the police on, you know, ready to come because there could be a gun pulled at any given time. You know it, it's it's a safety issue. It's a liability issue. It's uh, it's a manpower issue, it, and it ultimately boils down to money. Look, we don't know what the markup is, right? Unless you actually worked there and you were scanning the stuff to see what it really was, you don't know what the markup is. But I can tell you, this is years ago. I had a conversation with my local uh, card shop owner back in the day, and I'm like, I just wanted to kind of level and figure out what exactly he makes off of a box of cards. Because you see the prices. And even back, you know, prices now are absolutely insanity. But, you know, we're talking, I don't know, 2013, 14, maybe mm-hmm. 15 time frame. So and we talked about it. And I don't remember what the actual product was. But if he bought a $1,200 case from his distributor, he might have made 150. dollars maximum 200 bucks off of that. Wow. On a $1200 case. So that means it cost him $1200 and what he's selling it for in order to make money, he's only going to make 100 to 200 bucks off of what was actually being bought. And that's buying from a from a distributor, like a wholesale distributor.
1: That's way so, too much money to invest to make 150 well, that's, bucks.
0: And that's the thing. How can you be a card store and not have the product? You have to because it's what brings people in and that's what people expect. So you're not making your money. You're definitely not making your money off of your boxes. That's for sure. And, you know, obviously retailers aren't going to pay that much because they mm-hmm. wouldn't have it. But the margins are slim. I mean, working in the retail when I did, I would look at markups all the time, especially when there were price changes because they were recorded in the system. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to see that things that were vendor driven to see what the markup was versus, you know, other products, Mm -hmm. you know, markup on consumable things like ink cartridges, huge. It's absolutely huge because that's the product that keeps people coming back, you know, paper products, things like that. Huge markups. Software, not so much. Really, S- you sell a piece of software for a hundred bucks. You probably bought it for eighty-seven. Mm. So you know you're you're not really turning a whole lot from those things. And you know times are different now, but I would guess you could scale that those numbers to be pretty close to the same. I can't imagine they're that much different.
1: Uh, two questions, actually, that this raises now with target no longer carrying cards at least for the foreseeable future uh and maybe i mean walmart hasn't made an announcement yet but hey if they're not buying them
0: they still have them i've seen many people posting them they're like oh we're hitting walmart's now
1: yeah so i guess is this could this lead to an end of retail flipping or could this even be the end of retail versions of packs and boxes because I'm I'm kind of wondering now, like, if this is more trouble than it's worth for Target, for Walmart, for Walgreens. Actually, so the um, distributor is called Excel Marketing. And I'm just looking at their website right now. So they distribute at Target, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Party City, Kroger, Five Below, CVS, GameStop, Exchange, KC's, H-E-B, Fred Myers, uh, Fleet and Farm.
0: Yeah, cuz they don't just do cards. They do a lot of different things.
1: Their whole thing is like impulse priced items. Like they'll also sell like those little um like the little blind bagged figurines of like Super Mario characters or like um you know video game characters or stuff like that. I mean, I remember buying they had like a little little teeny tiny Transformers called world's smallest toys. And it was like a little Optimus Prime on like a teeny tiny little blister card that was like $5.99. I'm like, oh, that's awesome! I'm gonna buy that, right? And so they, that's kind of like the knickknacks, the keychains, the the blind bag figurines, like Teeny Mates and stuff like that. So that's that's kind of like what they sell. And like when they were when they didn't have sports cards, and I go into the the aisle at Target, they would just fill it with magic and Teeny Mates and like baby shark keychains and just whatever they had, like whatever like junk they could just fill the aisles with or fill the aisle with. My question is, does the hobby really need retail packs? Because the hits are lower. I mean, yeah, there's some demand for it, especially like I guess when the rookie cards fall at about the same ratio because people were buying Prism football and Prism basketball and Don Russ um football and and chronicles basketball, you know, to try to get the rookie cards, so it wasn't like it was trying to get like some card that was seated one in a thousand packs or whatever I guess what I'm just trying to understand is like if retail packs don't have great odds, we'll just say they don't have great odds of anything past your standard rookie card, and you know ninety percent of the cards in the packs are worthless we'll just say that's what they are they're they're pretty much worthless they don't they have very little worth and the retailers have to put in more work into this particular segment and not get a lot of return out of it could this be the end of retail packs
0: um in my opinion no and only because this announcement by Target was the first of its kind in that realm. And it was widespread. It was covered by most media outlets, including most mainstream media outlets. Yes. And even even still, the in the last week, Panini's announced two or three releases. And all of them they've announced retail versions of. Now, I know everything has gone to print long before this. But you would think that if they lost one of their major retailers to distribute to, they may rethink how their distribution was going to be for these. But, you know, they announced they're going to be in retail stores. Anywhere that carries cards, they're going to they're gonna have them. So um, do I think retail will go away? No. Do I think there's a need for it? Kind of. Because if you think about it, you live in a major metropolitan area, and I kind of do too. We have access to a lot of. Still a lot of brick-and-mortar type stores that we could walk into whenever we feel like it and buy a hobby box of something. Uh, The internet has kind of killed a lot of those types of shops, but these do still exist out in the wild for those that haven't seen an LCS in many, many years. They are still out there. It's not just internet. But to that point, because people don't have local card shops and hobby shops in many many areas across the country and not just in the united states but in canada as well this is the only option that people have to buy cards if they're going to walk out of somewhere with physical product so if you took away the retail option completely i think you might run the risk of losing a large segment of the collecting community especially those that only open new product that like busting wax and like opening new product. I mean because if you have no access to physical product and you're not about to sit online and you know try to buy things that you've never seen, touched, felt anything like that, you know, if it doesn't attract your five senses, there's many many collectors out there that that's that's what they're about. Now Obviously, you're still going to have your investor types that are looking for the flip and looking for the profit and everything else that are going to dabble in all of that too, but at the same time, there is a demand. I mean, there really is, and regardless of what you think the odds are, good or bad on a product, there's still people going to buy retail. There really is, and I don't think that market, despite the fact that Target said that we're not going to carry it anymore, there's other retailers that will that are nationwide, like a Walmart or like a... You know, Walgreens has some exclusive product that they carry or a Meijer, which is more regional oriented. But, I mean, you named them all. XL's got them on a list of everybody that they work with. Um, So depending on where you're located across the country, you know, you probably have one of those stores nearby. You may not have a a local hobby shop, but you might have one of those where you could go and get your card fixed. Rather than have to order something online, sit and wait for it to be shipped and, you know, takes maybe takes some of the joy out of it for you.
1: True. And I will say that when I got back into hockey card collecting as a full-time hobby in 2005-2006, actually at the end of 2005 05, 06, I kind of missed out on the whole Crosby-Ovechkin thing and I jumped on with Parkhurst, which came out like during... I can't remember if it was the playoffs or the finals, but Perkers came out at the end of 05-06. And that was kind of like my jumping on point back into like, hey, I'm going to buy packs and build sets. And I remember like buying some retail or excuse me, some hobby boxes from my local card shop. But then I remember going to Target and just buying tons of blasters because I was just able to pick them up pretty quickly like they had them. It's just like, okay, how many multiples of $20 do I want to spend? Well, I'm gainfully employed right now, so I'll buy five blasters, you know, because the ratio for the rookie cards was the same. Maybe the odds for the autographs was a little lower, but I didn't care. And I remember, like, the next season, like, I bought, like, three blasters of OPC, and one of the hits I got was a signed Marcel Dion card. And I'm like, pfft. This is awesome for a blaster, right? So I do get it. Like, I do I do get the appeal of, like, walking in and just saying, you know what? I want to spend 20 bucks on cards. I don't want to spend $140 on a box. I just want to spend $20, bucks, get some cards, open some packs, and build some sets. I mean, it was even like that back in, like, August or September. You know, me looking for cards, I was at a Target that I didn't normally go to. And they had MVP fat packs. And I grabbed, like, six of them got in a line thought about it went pack and grabbed like the other four it's an ass screw it if i'm buying six i'm gonna build the set right i might as well just buy what they got because i'm gonna need to build that set right so yeah, yeah. so I, I i get it i totally get it
0: yeah so like, like i said i don't i don't think you can take retail completely out of the equation now, of course, that's going to be dictated by whether or not the retailers even want it all out. I mean, if you know, Target says, we don't want to deal with this hassle and we want this to just stop. So we're going to either temporarily suspend or permanently suspend sales. Well, Target's a big retailer. That might get other people to pay attention. And if all of this violence and nonsense shifts over to some of the other ones, maybe they'll say the same thing. Then we can have a different discussion. Because then it'll become more of an epidemic, I guess, of people saying, nope, not carrying it, not carrying it, not carrying it. So I guess it's left to be seen. So until then, you're going to have to go get your card fixed somewhere else.
1: All right, well, I think I've pretty much said anything that, everything that I've wanted to say about this topic. You got any, any last things to add to this before we uh, wrap this one up?
0: Definitely not about Target, that's for sure. I'm done complaining about Comp C, so I got nothing else to say about that either. So, gotcha. I guess I'm done. You left me speechless for the first time ever.
1: Okay, yeah, I guess that's it then. So thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed this show... Please like, please subscribe. Please consider writing us a review on Apple Music. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at PuckJunk. Tim is actually at the real DFG. Not yes. the other funny Twitter account that I said he was.
0: Maybe I should change that.
1: I think you should. I should
0: just change myself to the real NFT. Well,
1: anyway, uh until next time, uh peace out and collect what you like. <laughs>
0: For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.